Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. And Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, The Wise Woman Way, the newest book in the Wise Woman Herbal Series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. How's everything at your homestead today? Oh, today is pretty good. We're getting rain right now, which is crazy to say in February, but it's been near 50 degrees, and now it's rain. Yep, 
I turn the heat off, let the fire go out. You know, it's 50 degrees outside, 60 degrees outside. I'm like, ah, what? <laughs> so strange. It so, is. So right. This will be the year that we didn't have winter. Mm. Mm. Making me wonder how many ticks there'll be next year. Ugh. I always count on the hard, hard cold and the hard frost to uh, really draw down on those uh, insect populations that aren't beneficial and to us to freeze mm. out a lot of the eggs and the larvae that are under the bark and so on. And it's just been so warm this year. Mm. So mm. <clears throat> I've been doing something interesting. I've been watching a nine-part series from the Human Longevity Project. Hmm. The backstory is that they set out to make a movie about the Blue Zones. And you know about the Blue Zones, yes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like For those who, right, the Blue Zones are five areas in the world where people live long happy, healthy lives. And they were called Blue Zones because the people who were looking for uh, old people who were healthy and happy put blue circles around the towns on the map when they found a town that was like that. And eventually those clumped up into the five Blue Zones. So these filmmakers decided they were going to go out and interview people in these zones. And they're in, um, so they're interviewing people in Costa Rica, and they're interviewing people in um, Ikatos, Greece, and they're interviewing people in um, some part of Italy, and um, in some part of uh, Japan. And as they listen to these people, they wanted to, like, check out if any of the things that they were saying had any, like, scientific backup. And so they went out and started interviewing scientists and researchers and people like that. Mm-hmm. And they wound up <clears throat> with over 100 interviews, which is way too much to make a movie, which is why they made a nine-part documentary. Wow. And we're being allowed each each piece is about an hour and a half. I would actually say that probably each piece is an hour, and then of course you listen to a little <clears throat> at the beginning about the project and a little at the end selling you on uh, buying it, um, which they certainly have every right to do. Thank you for allowing me to listen to it for free and watch it. And what have I been talking about? The past couple of weeks, I have brought in reports on vitamin D falling flat on its face again. Yes? Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Once again, large study of vitamin D taken at a reasonably high dose over a long period of time. <laughs> Nothing. 
So, one of the researchers that they interviewed, Stephanie Seness, S-E-N-E-S-S, says, I paraphrase, we got it all wrong about vitamin D. When the sun wow. hits the when the sun hits the skin, it starts the process of the formation of vitamin D, which, as we know, is an interesting kind of playoff between the kidneys and the liver and the blood. And she said, so as vitamin D is made, there are a lot of sulfur ions that are created. And what that means is that the vitamin D that's made by your body is sulfated. And that is the only active form. And in fact, vitamin D is only a messenger. Because while it's getting sulfated, the production of vitamin D is creating all these sulfur ions, and they sulfate the cholesterol that's available. Mm. And sulfated cholesterol is like the basis for all of your hormones from serotonin to testosterone. Wow. So vitamin D is a messenger, she says, that says, hey, yo, look, there's lots of sulfated cholesterol. Let's make some hormones. And so when you take vitamin D and there isn't any sulfated cholesterol, that your whole body shuts down. Like life processes mm. go on. You continue to like circulate your blood and breathe, right? But all of the repair, the maintenance, all of the healthy things that should be going on in your body come to a crashing halt until that vitamin D can be gotten out of your body. Mm. Yikes. And since it's oil soluble, it's not that easy. Right, that's what I was just thinking. That's why, yeah, it takes a while. It's not like you just pee it away. Exactly. Mm. So I was I, I actually did a little jig for joy as I understood what Stephanie Seneff was telling me. And it where it falls in me is it's all so complicated. And even that, you know, wow, to know that, it's like, poof, this big window opening up. And yet that's probably not a very big window in terms of really understanding what's happening. But I have been saying for a long time, I have a feeling that it's not the vitamin D or the vitamin A or any of the vitamins that our body actually produces, but the production of them, that's important. Mm. And here she is telling me from an organic chemistry standpoint as a researcher what's actually happening. So awesome. Totally awesome. So I think today was day six. Might, Might be day seven as possible. The Human Longevity Project. I bet if you like look them up, you can watch the last few episodes. You can't go back. Right, they just give you one day to watch it, and then after that, they want you to ante up and buy the whole thing, which is all the interviews and everything. It's a very generous thing they're offering. Mm. 
But uh, I think even if you could just catch an, an episode or two of it there, um, <clears throat> the, each one is quite stands alone. They started with one on mitochondria. And I have long been a fan of mitochondria. What do you know about mitochondria? Mm, uh, well, uh, the powerhouse is the cell, and like the ATP, the energy is produced in the mitochondria. It's very important. Um, yeah, right? Yeah. So mitochondria is smaller than a cell. It's inside your cell. Right. Right. And there's multiple of them inside your cell. It's not just like the nucleus that there's one of it in your cell. There's lots of mitochondria in your cell. Mm. Well, it turns out, and you know, I kind of knew this, but I didn't really like think about it because I know that mitochondria only come from your mother. Uh-huh, I knew that as well, yeah. Right? And yep. they have their own DNA, which is different than the DNA of the cells in your body. Yes, it's, it's so fascinating to think, since that's the energy powerhouses of the cells, yeah. Right? So they are, in a very distinct way, discreet from us. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that equally important to the role of producing energy, or ATP, is that they are actually part of the immune system. Wow. wow. And that they can reproduce, and there can be more mitochondria to produce more energy when you're under a threat. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So fascinating. Uh, yeah, mitochondria are amazing. It makes me always feel so connected to my ancestors, like all of my mothers, mothers, and mothers, and grandmothers, because it's it's just everything you said, the, the DNA coming from my mother and the mitochondrial DNA being so different than, it, totally different than my DNA of my body. So just so fascinating. But and now, that. And that mitochondrial DNA goes all the way back to the first Eve, shall we call her. Yes, yes. Yeah, so we we really are. And it also means that because men have mitochondria and women have mitochondria, that inside every man is women's genes. Right. Mm -hmm. Same mitochondria. Right when they say... You know, in psychology, there's a woman in every man. In order to be whole, the man has to find that woman inside him. It's it's literally true. Well. But it's not true that I, as a woman, have little men inside myself. I don't. I have women. I have my mother line inside myself. Yeah. I, I don't need to find or express my inner male in order to be whole. I don't have an inner male. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I have an inner female, and she goes back mm-hmm. and back and back and back 
and back and back and back. Mm. Fascinating and wondrous. I just, we are amazing beings as humans, women, men. It's amazing. We are. Letters, I get letters. This one has the most gorgeous photograph of a passion flower, flower on it, nestled in a little, like, nest of lavender flowers. It's just, like, too delicious. And it is dearest beloved friend and sister, Susan, wishing you a beautiful, happy birthday. Hope your day is so special and filled with your favorite things. It is such a joy to see you and your apprentices, such vibrant emerald unfoldings, green and woman threads intertwined. It brings back the joy and meaningful meanderings. I've enjoyed the threads that you have woven in my mind and heart reflect now and always will when I think of you. I feel such joy and gratitude for all you do and who you are. Such love and giving you bestow on all you encounter. Keep on shining and know how much I love you. Green heart. Aww. Aww. So sweet. Aww. So nice. I I like getting letters. Thank you. Mm. Mm. And especially ones with pretty pictures on them. Wow. Mm. So let's see. Justine's back in Costa Rica. And we did a lot of work on um, making videos for the Hypericum Conference. She videoed me talking a lot. Gosh, I have a lot of stories about that plant. Aww. And she videoed Mickey. And he was one of many people that I have asked to do shorts. Um, And he said, oh, oh. And then he he got a storyline. And once he had a storyline going, it just rolled out from there. And his storyline was that he knew nothing about herbs until he fell in with witches. Oh! Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And now he can't imagine life without herbs. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Oh, I love that he made a video that Justine helped him do it. I love it. That's so perfect. Yeah. So, hey, listen, if Mickey can do it, you can do it out there, too, listeners. You can get somebody to, like, take a little video of you, even if it's only 23 seconds. That counts. Just, why? what's what's your deal with Hypericum? Surely you must have a Hypericum story, something about St. John's Wort or St. John's Wort that you could generously share with us. We're looking for Hypericum shorts. Who should they send them to? Well, the best place to go is the easing. Um, there is the link, the, the main link. And then I can, oh, I think we're getting a little bit of hail. Um, let's see. Oh, I my. Another, yeah, I think I can give another link um, for the shorts. Uh, <clears throat> so let's see. 
give me the oh yes, give me a little bit of time into the show, and I can give you the exact right. links later on. You'll let us know. Good plan. Yes, let's do that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's see then. Next up is our guest for this evening, Marissa Handler, writer, singer, songwriter, teacher and author of Loyal to the Sky, which won a Nautilus Gold Award for world-changing weeks. She would like me to ask her what she wants to be when she grows up and why she works specifically with women. Come on back at 9 o'clock or stick with us until 9 o'clock and hear how Marissa Handler answers those questions. How about other people with questions? Uh, Yes, we do have uh, two hands raised in the queue. And I'll remind everyone listening this evening, if you have a question and would like to speak live with Susan, please press 1 on your telephone keypad, and I will see your hand go up in the queue. Uh, Let's see, we'll go to the first of our two raised hands, and you are dialed in from the 845 area code. From the 845, you are live with Susan. Oh, uh, hi, uh, Susan. This is Debbie calling in Ryan Hi, Cliff. Debbie. Thanks hi, for calling. how are you? Oh, thank you. Oh, so so is, enjoying is, being is outside it, today. Is, <laughs> um, is, t- is today your birthday? No, actually, it was last Wednesday, but that's okay. I don't mind continuing oh, this break. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um. I was. Uh, well, I did want to ask where um, you can um, see the Human Longevity Program. Is that on a, a a channel someplace, or how do you listen to I'm, it? I get an email each day with my link to it, and my guess oh. is that if you just ask your device to bring you to mm-hmm. the Human Longevity Project, that it would. Okay, I'll do. I will do that. Right, and then they would probably ask you for your email address, right? Something like that. Okay. And oh, then that sounds very today interesting. Or tomorrow, um, I think that you will get that link. And again, the link's only good for 24 hours. Okay. And right. I also found that um, while I was watching um, the episode that I could go, like, back and forth in it. Like, if I wanted to hear somebody talk about something again, um, I could make it, uh, you know, I could, you know, you touch the little bar at the bottom. and mm-hmm. it goes. But once I had actually listened to it, looked at it to the end, I couldn't do that anymore. I could start it again and listen to the whole thing from the top, but I couldn't go back and forth in it. Right, right. Well, I'll see if I can find it because I'm, uh, the blue zones are very interesting. In fact, I'm reading um, a book right now about the blue zones. Oh, my goodness. What has struck you about what you've read so far? Um, well, I have read a lot about it, and um, it just seems as though um, the people in the in the blue zones uh, really know how to live properly. And... Um, that's why they they live so long. And so what do you think is properly? Well, I think that they um, 
have a lot of sociability with the other people in their villages and they have a very healthy diet and they don't have a lot of stress and they um it sounds like they live mindfully well one of the things that struck me as i'm watching this is um how difficult it will be for any of us to replicate what they do even yes. for even for them they no longer live that way I think they have that their that we we would look at their life as being very difficult because it doesn't sound like it's an easy life. But I think they're happy. Well, again, you're talking about it as though it were present now. It's not. I'm telling you that they're talking about in the past. This is what oh, we... really? It, it's all disappearing. It's all gone. Mm, that's sad. Eighty percent of a group of a thousand adults whose blood was tested were found to have Roundup in their blood, and these included people oh. who eat organically. Right the people in the blue zone have had Roundup in their blood. Yeah. Wow. Well, my my daughter Justine lives in a blue zone in the Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica. Mm. And from the time when she first started living there, which has been over a decade, until now, we have seen um, what is called progress. When we first went there, almost everybody walked to and fro. The roads were awful. <laughs> so filled with potholes, it was really torture to drive anywhere you wanted to walk. Uh, the dust was kept down by spraying molasses on it, which was so wonderful and so useful for the soil all around. And because people were walking, they greeted each other and knew each other and had a, a community sense. Um, they now have electricity. Electricity came to that part of the peninsula since we've been there. And they have Internet. Wow. And they don't want these things taken away from them. They have running hot and cold water. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want these things? And they come at a certain price. Now, personally... I think that if we drink nourishing herbal infusions, that we can probably afford that price. But if we eat standard American diet, I don't think it's ever going to work. Well, in the book that I'm reading, um, in one of those blue zones, they do make the herbal infusions, and they do make it um, just one herb each day, and they alternate them. I forget which country that was. I think Japan. Mm. But they all, all of the elders have talked a little bit about herbal medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not as herbal medicine, but just, you know, we didn't have a doctor. We did this. Or 
Um, we didn't have birth control, and so we did that. And this plant, you know, we knew would help in this way. Mm-hmm. And certainly I have found that when I've been <clears throat> in most places in the world, that there's that people always have been and always remain in some way connected to the healing plants in their area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So maybe they're, if they're still doing that, then um, hopefully they'll be okay. Hopefully. Well, we're not okay. I mean, as as is pointed out in this series, we're not okay. The no, rate... It- the rates of allergies are skyrocketing. You know, the rates of autoimmune diseases, uh, the rates of autism. You know, we are seeing um, some of the consequences of what we're doing. As I said, there's yeah. a price to pay yeah. for all of Yeah. And, um, you know, can we, can we get ourselves healthy enough and flexible enough and loose enough to be able to take it all in and not register any of it as a toxin. Mm-hmm. Right. And, of course, you know, although I'm saying that, you know, buying it is a good deal, and certainly it is a good deal, and I have nothing against it, I also see that it comes with their a book of recommendations of what to do and how to do it. They call it their action plan. And I'm going to tell you without even looking in it that it's filled with special supplements that they want to tell you. Oh, forget it. (laughs) Right? Right. Now, hey, I could be totally wrong, all right? I'm making a guess here. But, boy, this guess is based on a lot of years' experience. But they haven't mentioned it so far, right? Ah, they haven't done anything other than sell the program at this point. But when I see, you know, our 105-page action plan of how you can get rid of toxins and oh, survive right. the electromagnetic, you know, I I have some sense of what might yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> So I agree with you. I think that there's a lot we can learn, uh, that we can do from the Blue Zones, which is really cherish our community and our families and to really prioritize Mm -hmm. those things, to live close to the land, to eat what's in season where you live. These are... The, over and over again, the elders just like looked at the camera and said, we didn't worry about what we ate. We worried about if we were going to eat. Mm-hmm. The whole idea to them that some people would like give up meat or give up grain, it was just like, you must be kidding. Mm-hmm. Right? So, um, quite interesting, all of it. Yeah. Quite interesting. The Human Longevity Project. Mm-hmm. Thank them. 
I thank them for I'm interviewing check over, it out. Nine, over, over 90 people um, and over uh, nearly two dozen elders. I really appreciate the effort wow. that they And so, every um, day um, I'm mm-hmm. coming away with some, even if it's just one little tidbit, like the uh, sulfating of the vitamin D and the cholesterol, to me they're very precious. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Susan, I was calling to ask you something about um, I don't uh, your suggestion um, about um, <clears throat> I, I ended up having uh, you know some flu maybe a couple of months ago, and then um, I made the mistake while I was home with the flu that I took some supplement called CoQ10, and I don't know if I had a, an allergic reaction to it or not. But now I have some skin condition that's very similar to shingles, except that I don't have the rash. And I have had something like this a couple of years ago, too. And um, and I don't think that the doctors believe that you can have shingles without the rash but it it just seems so much like the shingles that I think that's what it is so I was wondering if you had any suggestions it's like a burning and um, my skin feels sore but it just moves around from the front of my torso to the back pretty much on one side well, the plant that we're having a conference about this May, Hypericum perforatum, is a plant that I have seen work real miracles in terms of helping people who are dealing with shingles. Well, I have tried it, but I don't think I have, I don't know that I did it properly. And maybe I took it a couple of times, and it didn't feel any different. And so then I stopped, and then I waited a couple of days and took it again, so kind of haphazardly. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to take it to to see if it could help where it could be um, more I scientific? I like to use oil made from the fresh flowers externally on the area where the burning sensation is. I'm doing that. And then take the tincture by droppers full. So many. A full dropper full is a dose. And I generally ask people to take that uh, whenever they are experiencing pain. Okay. So you would take one dropper full? Yes. I have never had shingles, but I have had sciatica. I had sciatica after and while, you know, as soon as I was out of surgery, even while I was in the hospital, and then when I got home, because they carved so much on my left side, and then my whole left um, sciatic nerve was just hideously inflamed. And they had me um, just covered in lidocaine patches all up and down my left side. 
to control as well as feeding me strong drugs. And when I got home, I still used a little bit of lidocaine. But what I did was I um, took a dropper full of hypericum tincture every 15 minutes. Oh. Okay, well, I'm going to try that then. Of course, there were times when I fell asleep, and I managed to for a couple of hours, and I didn't, like, panic if that happened. That's fine. I just started taking a dropper full every 15 minutes in some liquid. Mm-hmm. And if there was pain sooner than 15 minutes, then I took the dropper full sooner than 15 minutes. But even if there wasn't pain after 15 minutes, I took a dropper full until I woke up without pain. That's great. That took um, a little over 37 hours. Okay, so it doesn't happen immediately. Especially not if that pain's been around for a bit. Right. Right. I had All a student right. I had a student in a class whose shingles broke out during the class. Wow. And she put the oil on as it was breaking out, took a dropper full of tincture, then took the remedies home with her, and when she came back a week later, it was all gone. Oh, that's amazing. Since you don't have a rash, it might not be that quick for you, but one of the things that Hypericum does is it's an antiviral, so it actually goes into the nerve ending that's being disturbed. And it's also an anti-inflammatory and literally cools off the burn. Okay. I'm going to start taking it right now. Ah, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Susan. You are so welcome. And just for you and everybody else, do not replicate this with capsules. It's not safe to take hypericum as a tea, as a powdered herb, or in a capsule. We're talking about the tincture of the fresh flowering plant. And I prefer it in vodka because that gets both its alcohol-soluble and its water-soluble constituents. So it gets both hypericin and hyperforin. Okay. All right. Um, I'll do that. Okay. Green blessings. Thank you. Thanks for your call. Good night. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. And I do have that link information to share with everyone. Um, there are two places to go. The link is very long and doesn't is not in any language. It's just a series of letters. So the best thing Oh, to my do... goodness. Oh, that's <laughs> awful. So maybe it's easier just to tell them how to get the easing. They go to wisewomanmentor.com? Well, um, actually, if they go to wisewomanschool.com, then on that landing page, as soon as they get there, they will see the beautiful Hypericum Goddess, um, and it's the first course listed on the page. Click that, and Uh um, it will take you to the link for the shorts as well as um, to the information about how to register for the conference. How to register, Um, which is still free up until mid-March. Right, right. And another very easy way to go to the link um, without going to the Wise Woman School is to go to Susan's Facebook page. If you just go to Susan Weed, 
and Facebook. If you put that in your search engine, it will bring up Susan's Facebook page. And just yesterday, there was a post uh, with the Hypericum Conference. You'll see it with the beautiful goddess there, and um, the short video link is there. Um, you don't have to go to the Wise Woman School on that page, of course. Why wouldn't you want to to register? But um, right there on yesterday's post um, is the short video link. So is that the little video that. that Justine and I made? Uh, there's not a video of you here. There is okay. just the announcement of the conference and right. uh, a link for to submit their short videos. Oh, good, good, good. All right. Excellent. Yes. All right. More questions? Yes, there are, let's see, we've got two hands raised in the queue. The next caller has dialed in from the 352 area code. From the 352, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. This is Carol. Hi, Carol. Um, Nashville. Yeah, I, I just tonight? got back from Tanzania. I was going to give you a little update. Okay. It was amazing. Uh, I wish we heard more about Africa. Uh, but I, I wanted to tell you something that happened there. Okay. Very interesting thing. I did a lot of very, oh, it was super amazing. And people living on the equator have very few needs. There was like seven, seven to ten different foods they would eat. No variety, very, very little variety at all. But I did help them to learn about corn silk and UTIs, which are very prevalent there because of the latrine situations that they have there. I thought that was pretty cool. That is wonderful since they had such easy access to it. What a gift. Oh, everywhere, yes. And I was their interest in learning ways that have just very recently been out of their touch is really because of, you know, drugs and stuff are kind of oh, just, the, just the way they distribute the medications. And these people are not, they're not sick from what they're not eating. They're not eating. You know, nothing they're sick from is from eating. Things they've done to themselves through ignorance, it appears. It was Oh, it was the most amazing experience. I delivered 37 babies in nine weeks. That I, must I mean, have kept you busy. Oh, it was amazingly busy. It was so, and I actually helped these two. They were called doctors, but they're not. They were like the equivalent of an EMT. Yes. To, to teach them how to actually dress a wound because there's no running water at this clinic. And it was, the only reason it was a clinic is because the word was written on the outside of that place. But, I mean, it was it was so plan B thinking all the time. It was amazing. I'm just so thankful. So, another, but while I was there, Susan, um, yarrow, yarrow, corn silk, and elecampane, and Cuban oregano were like the, and things that were really prevalent there. And lion's tail, which was the only thing I was able to get bring back. Well, I wanted to tincture things, and that country did not allow 100-proof anything. Yep. 
So rather than just not do anything, and I was only able to get a pint of anything at a time, I just doubled, batched it. Like I um, put the yarrow into a half a pint of 80 proof and then strain it and put and then put fresh more in there. I, I, I was waiting to get back to yeah. Okay. Thank you. That's cool. Yeah. I figured just keep putting some more fresh in and just keep extracting. Something's got to equal up. Exactly. You you make do with what you have where you are, and especially when you're in a situation like that where everything is a make-do. Low resource. Susan, they, they're, these women, they're... Oh, my goodness. It was in May. Um, they brought their own, they call them kagas. They're just a piece of material uh-huh. that they use, like, to carry their babies or to put stuff on their heads or wrap around them. It's a multi-purpose, everything. They use them for everything. They're, we provided nothing. At, I don't even know why the women decided to come to this because I just modernism or something. They would have been just as safe at home as they would have been walking four miles to have their baby at this clinic. It was really, uh, they brought their own chai. They don't, there's like a low level of dehydration. Is it very hot there? there? Uh, I'm sorry? Is it very hot? You said there's a low level of dehydration. Is it because it's very hot there? It's not, it's not very hot. The temperatures range between 78 and 82 degrees year round. And the, it's just because they don't drink water. They they drink chai and uh, thermos with them of chai to the birth, to, you know, because we don't have any running water. So we, right. we're, we can't give them anything to drink, whatever they bring with them. But Susan, you just can't. The, their bodies were perfect. It was like their bodies were just amazing. It's mostly what they died from was ignorance. Things. Like the first baby I helped deliver died there from obstetrical abuse, and it wasn't, he had no idea it was abuse. It was from this crazy fundal pressure, and he broke, it was, it was quite traumatic. But I helped stop that practice. That was amazing. Like I felt like I stopped foot binding, like Gladys Allworth in China. Right. My gosh. So what they thought that they had to put. Fundal pressure. So this quote doctor who really just had the equivalent of an EMT training, and I didn't figure this out till I was leaving, actually like the day or two before I left. But he was doing everything with his whole heart. So I just kept calling him doctor. But he was doing the first birth. I think he was trying to impress me. It was so bizarre. But it looked like CPR on top of the pregnant belly. Oh my God. I know. Oh and, my oh, god! Oh. I was so traumatized. Oh, and the woman and was, the language barrier was. And blown, as you, you know, said, the baby died. The ba- the doctor broke that baby's neck, and then he Whoa. left the room. As soon as the baby came out, he had me deliver. So I delivered and put it. I'm like, and I oh, I gave it mouth to mouth, not even thinking that I was in Africa. I just did it. And right. I was like, well, are you going to give it mouth to mouth or anything? He's like, we don't do that. Is there any ambu bags? 
No, nope. nothing nope. there. That's it. And then he left the room, which was now a room, just meaning a cement, cement slab. But I brought a birth stool in there. I showed him how to do it. By the time I left, women could assume three different positions than this retarded, ridiculous, I'm sorry, table that was there suggesting the only position to assume was I, we got we got a, a on your back, the, the least least effective position for giving birth. Now, I heard a story that that came about because there was some French king who got his kicks from seeing his mistresses give birth. That is the true, very, very bottom, the yuckiest part of that position. But, yeah, for sure. And it's and it, by the fact that it's just being suggested, there's nothing else being suggested. Right. But I was the only white lady within 100 miles. And so when this baby died and where I was at was, it was called the City of Hope. And it was an orphanage and a secondary school and a high school that was a boarding school to support the orphanage. And then a mile up the road was their clinic that they were beginning to work on. And, I mean, and the amount of people that came there every day thinking it was a clinic. It was crazy. I, was, I can't believe I did what I did there. But anyway, they'll never do that fundal pressure again. Like, it's been banned from that clinic. And that doctor, not a doctor, but he was so thrilled that he knew that that's what killed. It was, I was amazed at his response. It was not defense. It was like, is that what, I, I can only imagine how many babies have died at this procedure. Oh, my goodness. Wow. But I didn't address it like that. I, I just simply addressed it as this is what was going on with the birth procedure that was tried. This is what I would recommend. And this procedure from the World Health Organization has been banned in a lot of countries, especially America. Yeah. So, so now there's, he's, I will never do, it was, it was, and there's such humble, Christian, sensitive, super socialist country. Like socialism in its finest form was in Tanzania. It was amazing. Susan, it did to me what I wanted it to do, change me. All right. Ah, congratulations. I, it was a bold move. The traveling was fun. Like being in Nairobi, and the, I'm like, I look around, the only white person within, like, everywhere. <laughs> it was so cool. <laughs> it was just very cool. And learning Swahili and... and body language and just how much they, the white lady, you know, I always wore scrubs up there only because it represented medicine. I didn't want to be targeted, right? Right. <clears throat> so I would walk the mile to the clinic with my scrubs on and they were like, oh, Makonga, Makonga. They'd run out of their houses with a cut, you know, needed six stitches on their leg and like, you you can deal with this. And i like, oh my, you know. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, whoa. Yeah. Uh, I know. Uh, 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 from a from a it's machete not, wound. It's from a machete wound. And the month I was there, they were doing circumcisions. I wanted to throw this in there. Every other year in December, they circumcise their youth, their women, and their boys and their girls. 
And this was the month that I showed right after Thanksgiving. And all night long they were making noise and partying, these little 30 people, you know, parties. Somebody in the middle there was getting circumcised, the girls. It was a trip. So then two weeks after that we'd be getting all these infections, mostly from the boys, believe it or not. It was the male circumcisions that were coming in with infections more than the girls, whether I don't know if it was because the girls didn't come in because, you know, from shame or whatever, but we treated straight-up antibiotics, like the most primitive antibiotic, IVs, malaria. It was so amazing. I cannot wait to go back. It was when amazing, but I'm, I'm uh, next same time next year I'll be moving up there to Lancaster for six months, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, to finish up my CPM, so I can like work with Doctors Without Borders, you know, like open my opportunities. Yes. So my herbal knowledge, the fact, I mean, I'm telling you, like they're separating their corn stalks from their silk now, a whole little village because of me telling them, oh yeah, this this is what you do for UTIs, like. Dry all your corn silk out. Man, they got piles of corn silk. It was really crazy rewarding to walk. Like, after I said that, that one day, I go back the next day and there's, along my walk, there's like piles of corn silk. I'm, I'm in tears. This is so beautiful. <laughs> I'm like, what is, what are they, because I said something to one lady about the UTIs because they, they, use these urinals and, the, you know, they squat good and heavy and then they just splash themselves or don't do anything. And UTIs are a big deal in Africa. So now they've separating, they're, they're making these, quote, infusions. I mean, it's infusion African style, but, I mean, they're cooking it down. And using wow. Using their UTIs. I know. How cool is wow. that? Wow. Mm. Yay, you, and hooray for yarrow, huh? And did you say that there was local yarrow growing there? They, yes, and it was their ornamental. <clears throat> like, if they were putting a pretty bed, which is so funny, they'll put it in the middle of this really weird trash area. But it would be beautiful, prolific white yarrow, like the real Achilles. Oh, and my gosh. Full bloom, like a whole, you know, like a... 50 feet of just beautiful blooming yarrow. Ah. So I, we went to town, which is a relative concept, you know. I have. <laughs> and I'm like trying to find, which is a no, it's a very Christian nation, so alcohol is weird and all, but, you know, for medicinal purposes only. Right. No right. underproof anywhere. So I was like, okay. man. But I got the proof. Yep, there you go. I just figured I'd just keep, you know, straining it, throw some more and strain it, throw some more. It's got to equal out somewhere in here, somehow. Whatever you need to do, wherever you are. But, Susan, they brush their teeth. I was thinking about the tooth because they pull their teeth once in a while. But they, their teeth are so beautiful and white, and they have really nice symmetry there. So I was kind of like, well, what do y'all brush their teeth with, a stick? and charcoal from their fire every day. That is what they use for their toothpaste, straight-up charcoal. Straight-up charcoal. Wow. Susan, you've never seen such amazing physiques. 
And, I mean, there was a 98-year-old woman that came to the clinic for some antibiotics. She was recovering from malaria. And she had the big hoop in her ears, you know, like where they put the big plates in their ear, the Maasai. Yes. She walked eight miles to get this antibiotic shot at 98 years old. Just kept trucking, just walked eight miles. Oh, wow. I mean, it, it just was like they're on the equator, right, the most perfect weather in the world. They don't have to think about preparing anything. Everything's fresh. Like, they don't. There's no refrigeration. They don't store meat. They butcher and eat. Of course. Because they have, like, four, four growing seasons a year. They, there's no need. Their needs are so perfect. It's like paradise. Because all the weather patterns come off that part of East Africa on the equator, right? Right there. Right perfect. there. Mm. Anyway, thanks for letting me share that with you, Susan. I enjoyed that. Well, I really enjoyed it, too. It reminds me in a really nice way when my parents would come home from their vacation and my dad would get all the slides ready, and then we'd have a slideshow, and they would tell us day by day what they had done. I always really liked that. I did keep a, a delicious journal, but none Woo-hoo! of my children are very interested in it. My grandchildren sat for at least 15 minutes looking through my pictures. but Yeah. Perfect. It was definitely an isolating, solitary experience. Even though I took a billion pictures, it's still like I'm the only one here. This is amazing that the seven to ten foods that these people eat all the time. I thought we were going out to eat. They're like, hey, we're going to go to town. We can get something to, to out to eat. So I'm thinking <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I want a cheeseburger. Right. Yeah, I want a, I want a mixed drink, man. I just want something. I'm like dying of, I'm like super USA with drawing. Susan, every restaurant was serving exactly what we were eating at home. Right. A chicken that we caught and butchered, a tilapia, cabbage, and ugali. Like, why do you think you're going to get a cheeseburger? We're not in America. I'm like, right? Silly right. me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what was I thinking, you know? <laughs> That <laughs> you were going through some time portal. <laughs> oh, I was going through some with American withdrawals, right? <laughs> oh my word! And I will tell you though, the my coffee and the infusions. I, I make my coffee in the morning with my little AeroPress. I have my you know two quart infusions. That, so the little girls, the little orphan girls, they're like fourteen. They, they would cook for me. Okay. That was part of the deal. Like they cooked for me, I couldn't cook. So they have to learn to cook. All right. And all like you know, so I had to kind of adapt. Yeah. They would wash my clothes by hand. Like oh, and I get you a washboard. We have 15 washboards in the garage. They don't use them. They just wash them by hand. Throw them over the bushes. Don't even bring your clothesline. Like they have. <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> Ay, 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 ay. Uh, but so, I mean, I had two eggs for breakfast, cup of coffee, and then they would strain my infusion. And so they got used to my, they were like, these are hibiscus. And then they started harvesting all the hibiscus, and they were like laying it out. Like, what do we do now? It was so cute. Oh, wow. Did they grow the right kind of hibiscus? I don't know. They just started collecting it, and I just went with it. Well, certainly I mean, you can <laughs> use any hibiscus, 
But the I medicinal hibiscus—the medicinal hibiscus that's used—it's not the flower that's used. Well, we were drinking the flowers, so that's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that, <laughs> anyway at all. But the actual, like if you buy hibiscus, even if it says hibiscus flowers, it's actually the calyx, which is a, a hard part oh, yeah, 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 yeah. under the flower. Ah, true to that. Right. And oh, that's and we one of the... bananas and avocados. Oh, yeah. Oof. I just didn't eat the meat. I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I, I, I mean, yeah. I, Yep, I just couldn't. I didn't see a need. I didn't need to eat the meat. I mean, I wasn't born and raised there in Africa, and eating the vegetables and the cabbage. And and I was like, could you cook this kale just a little bit longer? Oh no, the less you cook it, the better it is. I'm like, I'm dying. My gut is eating me up because I've been eating what was set before me. Could you just cook it a little bit longer? It took me 10 days to get those girls to cook that for me just a little bit longer. A little bit longer. Oh, <laughs> I felt so much better when they finally cooked it. Just Because I would take, take it and throw it in the microwave and just nuke it a little longer. I just don't want to chomp, 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 right? Right, 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 right. I did show them how to make um, sauerkraut while I was there. That was cool. That's great. Since they had cabbage, right? And tons of it. All right. Easy enough. Really cool. Yeah. I won't take up any more of your time, but thanks for letting me share that with so much excitement. I enjoyed that. I think you got the most excitement out of me since I've been back. All right. <laughs> well, thanks so much for calling and sharing with us. I'm glad to know. And, and, and maybe using you can help me. That you're using yarrow and that you were able to make do with what you had and that they were so receptive. What a joyous report. And that maybe perhaps you can help me understand about that decision of taking the 80 proof and re, you know, keep putting fresh in there. Was that just an odd idea? Excellent. I think that's an excellent way to do it. I've even known people who've gone for a third brew. We know the third time with fresh plant material if they didn't feel. But really the proof is in the pudding, right? You use it right on. and you decide if it's good enough. Well, thank you, and I can't wait to hear our guest tonight. Me too. Green blessings. Green blessings, Susan. Thank you for that time, and I enjoyed that. Thank you very much. Good night. Good night. All right, and I'll remind everyone listening, if you would like to speak live with Susan this evening, please press 1 so that we can see your hand go up in the queue. Uh, at this time, there are three hands that are raised. The next hand has dialed in from the 646 area code. From the 646, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Uh, my name's Steve. Thanks for taking my call again. Um, I've called in a couple of times now. Um, I just want to say, first of all, I love listening to you both talking there, and that was fantastic. Um, I, uh, the reason for my call today is that I wanted to visit your thoughts and opinions on intermittent fasting. Uh, my question is kind of a two-armed question because um, I want to learn about your thoughts on intermittent fasting, but then also whether um, 
herbal infusions can be drank whilst fasting. Please. Well, it depends on how you describe your fast. So there's a water fast in which all you consume is water. There's a liquid fast in which you consume any liquid you want to, which could include strange things like bouillon. Mm-hmm. Right, and certainly nourishing herbal infusions. There are juice fasts in which yeah. you drink only vegetable juice. There are, as you said, intermittent fasts in which you don't eat for a certain amount of time, but I have never seen anyone say, don't drink. No. Um, now, you do uh, know that I do not suggest that anyone ever drink water. Yes. So, yes, you're going to be drinking nourishing herbal infusion, of course. And yeah. And... What is the idea? The idea, I think, behind intermittent fasting is that you don't burden the body with digestion. And since nourishing herbal infusions are pre-digested, then you're not burdening the body. Okay, because um, what, what, I've been doing a bit of research on it over the years, and I, I do it occasionally. I usually do the OMAD fasting, the one meal a day. And I uh-huh. do it alternate alternate days, and I just do it every now and again. I learned a lot about the autophagy effect, where um, once the body gets past seventeen hours, um, anything thereafter, the body just starts to repair itself. Um, you know, um, recycling the mutated cells and you know things like that. Um, and but. Um, Upon doing some research, um, certain things can spike that glycemic index and cause you to come out of the fasting, um, you know, to stop fasting, basically. So it, uh, I, I generally drink coffee. And in the past, I drank water. Before I dis- discovered you and I've started drinking herbal infusions for probably the past year now. Mm-hmm. But um, I started fasting today and I drank linden uh, Linden Bloom, um, because I know that I, I, well, I don't know. Is there is that a pro- protein, the Linden? I don't think it is, is it? I no, know it, the no it's the lowest protein of all of them. Oh, is it okay? And it's, I don't know if I know. But it's, uh, but it's such a powerful um, anti-inflammatory. Yeah, I love it, and I love singing that song that you um, that you did on one of your talks. Um, Lyndon, Lyndon, heal my heart. You oh, can bring beautiful. me again. I love that. <laughs> Lovely. Um, but um, yeah, so I just I just wondered if any of the infusions, because I know there's advice out there that you shouldn't drink certain herbal teas when you're fasting because the the fruits in the herbal teas can knock you out of the fasting state. And I just wondered if any of the um, <laughs> The fruits in the herbal teas. Um, Well, of course, you know, once you start mixing things together, 
mm-hmm. then you don't really know where you're going or what's up. Yeah. And it's pretty easy for people who don't know much of anything to mm-hmm. make blanket statements like don't use herbs. Yeah, I see, yeah. And there are plenty of people who don't, you know, know sage from rosemary who will say mm-hmm. don't use herbs. So I, you know, usually ask people to think about where is this advice coming from? Is this advice coming from someone who has actual experience with herbs and they're actually tell you, telling you that in this situation they wouldn't advise or are they just like freaked out about herbs? Yeah, to be honest, I don't. The the um, the source that I found the information was from somebody who was more of the the weight loss side of fasting, which I'm not really that bothered about. I mean, it's, obviously, it's great, you know, but I do it for I like to do it for the health benefits. But they hadn't really said to not take herbal or not not drink herbal. It was just some of the herbal teas, and I don't even drink herbal teas that have got all sorts of different fruits and things mixed in. I right. just wondered, it's, it's the sugar so content I, that's in so the dried fruit. I, I think you're okay. Yeah, okay, so... And I think that you'll be able to tell also, if you're yeah. not. Yeah, I'm sure she'll be... Uh, you, had, you, it sounds like, have quite a bit of experience with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that if something is happening that you don't want to happen, it's not like it's going to be hidden away from you. Yeah, it's not detrimental. It's just... Um, but, you know, just what I'm also saying is you'll know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You, yeah. you will, you'll say, oh, I, I drank, you know, that quart of herbal infusion or whatever it was, and now I feel like I'm not really fasting anymore. If that's what happened, it's going to happen. You'll know that. You'll experience it. Yeah. You'll say, oh, that's what... So you'll be able to answer your own question is basically what I'm saying. And with far more accuracy than anyone else. Because it won't always be exactly the same answer. Yeah, I agree. Cool. So, uh, yeah. So I'm going to go and try, um, I'm having a day off the fasting tomorrow and then I'll be back on it the following day and I'll um, have a nettle infusion that day, I think. A couple of quarts of nettle infusion, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you see where that takes you. Yes, fantastic. Thank you so much, Susan. Love You're welcome. You do. And Thanks, I love Rick. listening to your oh. podcast. Thank you. Take care. Good night. Good night. All right, and it looks like there are three hands that have pressed one. The next caller has dialed in on the 703 area code. From the 703, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Uh, thank hi. You for taking, hi. Thank you for taking my call. I called before you helped me. My name is Adam. I have a question. Um, two nights ago, I... I uh, I'm a healthcare worker. When I work, I was working in my workplace. I'm a therapist. We had a lot of people with GI uh, problems. They didn't diagnose them with anything. They just said they have GI problem. They have nausea and um, diarrhea. So I work a lot on proper, you know, 
the, the mask and everything. But I came home, I noticed that two days later, I have kind of, it was a weekend, and I noticed that um, on Sunday morning, my stomach is all of a sudden upset. And I just didn't care. I thought, well, it may be just upset. So in the afternoon, I had a hamburger. And that's all. But I wasn't that much hungry, but I wanted to eat something. And from the morning, I didn't eat anything. Let me eat something. And around 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, I noticed that my body, well, in the afternoon, around 6, 7, I noticed that my body is aching up like a low-grade fever, 99.5, 99.6, around like 6 o'clock. Then around 10 o'clock, my temperature went to 9 o'clock, the temperature went to 99.7, something like that. So I just took a Tylenol and sat down and became sleepy. I went to bed around 9.30, 10.30, I woke up. Um, but then I noticed that my body is all of a sudden, I become so nervous. I, I have anxiety problem, comes and goes. But I become so nervous and anxiety, I just got a panic attack and fainted all of a sudden. And uh, my husband, scared, took me to the emergency room, and they did some blood work. Uh, they turned out everything is okay, and they just told me I have no COVID, nothing else. They checked my sugar. My sugar was 129. This is normal. But my question is, and after that, I came home, and my stomach is still upset. The next day, I was so fatigued, tired. I feel like maybe I got the virus. But my question is, in this situation, um, I get anxiety a lot. Uh, and sometimes, uh, this is the first time I was fainted in my life. I'm 58-year-old. What what can I do to prevent that? I do herbal infusion. But this week, I couldn't do because of my stomach. is still upset. I'm watching it. Um, don't drink a lot of uh, liquid. So what do you suggest for me as of, for my anxiety for situation like this? And they told me the blood work, they did AKG, they said, your heart is okay. My blood pressure was okay. I thought my blood pressure dropped. I don't have it. I have a history, family history of heart disease and high blood pressure. I have in, in my gene, but I'm, I never took a medication or I didn't have a high blood pressure even. That night, my blood pressure was um, 127 over 74, something like that. So what do you suggest for me? Well, it's interesting that you link these two things because my favorite herb to help people who are experiencing anxiety is motherwort, which is an herb that is Leonurus cardiaca, the lion-hearted herb. Mm-hmm. So it's especially um, effective in the kinds of situations that you're experiencing. So how are you taking it? Motherwort is usually used as a tincture made mm-hmm. from the fresh plant in flower. Mm-hmm. Have you worked with motherwort? I think I took it a couple of years ago for a little bit. How I took it is um, sometimes I woke up in the middle of the night because of bad dream I had or anxiety. I took, for example, 10 drops and 
the problem with motherhood I had is I was getting up and going to the bathroom so many times. Um, Mother Ward is, so. didn't do that. Oh, okay. okay. It doesn't have that capability. However, I do find that Mother Ward tincture made from the dried plant is okay. not nearly as effective as the plant, the tincture made from the fresh plant. Okay. And so if you just go out to like the regular store to buy Mother Ward tincture, you have a really strong chance of getting it made from dried plant because that's what most people do. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. that the people at Red Moon Herbs and I know the people at Catskill Mountain Herbs make their tinctures with fresh plants. Okay, Moon Herb and... Uh... Red Moon Herb and Catskill Mountain Herb. And I think both of them have websites where you can look online for their products. Okay. And it is is pretty common garden weed, so this year you might keep your eye out for it and see if it grows around you. What grows around me? Motherwort. I'm sorry. Oh, motherwort grows around me. It's a very, it's a very common plant. So I'm suggesting that this year you keep an eye out for it and see if it does okay. grow around you. Okay. You know what I'm thinking? I have a big yard. <laughs> uh, my husband put all grasses. Uh, so I was thinking if I could go to the local, um, you know, stores to see if they have a seed, can I plant it myself? You Do can. You Yes, you can. And you probably wouldn't find the seed at store, but you would want to um, get it from a seed catalog, like Johnny's Selected Seed. I know that Johnny's carries a lot of herb seeds. They're certainly not the only one. Um, There are literally dozens and dozens there is a hypericum marketplace. Um, it's not hypericum. We're doing a conference on hypericum, which is also St. John's Wort or St. Jones Wort. And there'll be a marketplace there for people who are selling their preparations of it. And there was a comfrey marketplace for the comfrey conference that we did last year, which is also available at wisewomanschool.com. And so those are places where you can go um, where people are selling product they're, they're making. I also know that, um, what is it, Etsy is a place where people sell herbal products sometimes. Yeah. Susan, how, how about if I, I, I motherboard is something you can take it every day? Absolutely. Often can. Oh, yes, you can take it uh, every day. I've been taking motherwort every day. Every day? How how how, how much you take it? Like, I've been taking about a dropper full of motherwort. But one drop in one time? One time? One dropper full time. I've been taking in the morning. Um, but I'm not taking it because I'm anxious or having, have ever had any kind of anxiety attack. I'm taking it because uh, it helps prevent cancer recurrence and, okay. because it's, and because it's good for the heart. And mm. at 77, you need to start really protecting your heart. It's been 
chicken away yes, for yes. a long time now. And yes. thank you, thank you, thank you, Hart. Um, and every morning when I take it, I say, thank you, Hart. Here you go. Have a little, have a little love. <laughs> so, so one, one, thank you. One, one full drop in the water. One full drop or full, correct. In the water or liquid, you take it every morning. How about I when do. I wake up in the, excuse me? But you, I do, but, but as I say, I'm not taking it because I'm anxious. People yes. who are who are taking it because they're anxious, may take it multiple times during the day, and that's just fine. Oh, because I heard if you take it a um, few times, it can cause a uh, GI problem. Does it cause any a what problem? problem? Any side? GI. No, absolutely not. Not if you're using no. the tincture of the fresh plant. I've never seen okay, that happen. No, fresh plant. So my question is, what do I do when, in the, for example, I sleep? Three, four, five hours in the middle of the night, no matter how much I'm tired, three hours. Then I wake up and my mind wanders. And I cannot, I'm trying to do meditation, breathing exercise to calm myself, and a lot of thinking calm, you know, the things I did. Uh, so how can I calm myself? Do you think motherwort helps to calm it? Motherwort definitely will help. The other thing that I find very useful is not to resist that, not to go against that, but to, if, you know, necessary, turn on a light, get a pen, make notes. Yes, you're telling me this, okay, right, and I hear you, and then there's this, and yes, okay. Now, now that I have heard all that, we're going back to sleep and turn off the light and go to sleep. You got the message. I think it's a lot of, um, I don't know, for depression, um, I'm just, uh, do you have anything for depression? Hypericum perforatum that we've been talking about quite a bit this evening, St. John's Wort, has been extensively studied for people who are mildly, moderately, and severely depressed, and it has been tested against the most commonly used antidepressive drugs, and it works better, it works quicker, and it works without side effects. St. John's Ward. St. John's Ward. St. John's Ward, and again, the tincture of the fresh plant. Okay, tincture of the fresh plant. Tincture of the fresh plant. They suggest a dropperful dose several times a day, two or three times a day, and that depending on how severe the depression is, that it may take a few weeks to feel the full effect of it. Okay. But even a few weeks Mm -hmm. is pretty fast compared to antidepressive drugs, which can take months. Yes. Um... Thank you. Yeah, I, I don't want to take that. Uh, but this tincture, um, okay, thank you. Yeah. Yes, yeah. one of, one of, it, one of the um, most studied herbal uses at this point. There's been a tremendous amount of scientific examination of Hypericum's okay. ability to help people. And interestingly enough, 
as I've been reading more and more and going further and further back, um, way, way back in antiquity, a long, long time ago, um, it was also really thought of as an herb that could brighten mood, as they put it back then. Oh, yes. St. John's Wort. St. John's Wort, yes. And what about, I feel like, I don't know, maybe because I don't sleep enough, my memory is not good. I don't remember where I put the things and I look, I had in my heart, become like more forgetful or short-term memory. Um, well, you know, I want to go back to a story that a lot of people have heard, but maybe I haven't told you. When I was working with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, I went to her one day and I whined and I said, Elizabeth, you are not giving us enough time to sleep. And um, she said, sleep? Sleep? She said, are you going to do this work or not? Sleep is not a word in your vocabulary. She said, your problem is you don't know how to rest. Yes. And I looked at her, and she said, you should be able to go for years and years and years on five hours of sleep a night. She said, don't self-sabotage yourself by telling yourself that's not enough sleep. And I was shocked. Now, we are being bound browbeaten into the belief that you've got to get eight hours of sleep at night or you're not doing justice to yourself. It's not necessarily true. And if we're looking at how did our ancestors live, they didn't sleep for eight hours at a stretch. They usually slept for about five hours at a stretch and then they would take a nap or two. Yes, I am coming with them the same culture too. Um, for example, when I call to see how my father's doing, I cannot call them when it's a four o'clock in the afternoon over there because everybody's taking nap from two to five to two four. Right. <laughs> right. They're nap, taking that a night nap. They leave them alone. They're napping, and then they'll be up until you know midnight, one o'clock. Yes, but the thing is. We cannot take a nap because here we work. Uh, we come up from leave the job five o'clock in the afternoon or five thirty. I understand, and so what Elizabeth said to me was, "You must learn to rest because yes. you can rest in ten seconds." Yes, you're right. She was absolutely right, and I sought out training and ways to teach yourself to go into that state of rest, I do it by counting backwards from 10. Okay. Right? And every number down, I am deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until I'm you know, mm-hmm. down at zero. And it's like a whole mm-hmm. night's sleep, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, as I say to people, you can do it at the traffic light because if you get like too deep and you don't notice that the traffic light has changed, the wonderful driver behind you will signal you by honking. Yes. Yes. And then you go, oh, back to 10, let's drive. 
But you've given yourself those few seconds of total rest, and you've turned off cortisol. Even if you turn it off for a few seconds, it stops it from becoming chronic. Yes. The other thing that I find when people say, oh, you know, I just can't get to sleep or I wake up and I can't go back to sleep because my mind is just going, 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 is you have not used your body enough. Yes, that's true. Because when you use your body enough, you fall asleep because falling asleep is about your body. Your mind is just designed to go all the time. When you, when your body falls asleep, your mind is still going, isn't it? It's dreaming and doing all kinds of things. It's, yes. you know, it's yes. just non-stop. You're just not supposed to be awake to, to be listening to it. Yeah. So if there's any way to make your body think it has worked harder, um, it is getting in a hot bath. And the hot bath really I, fools your body into thinking that it has worked hard. So you get in a hot bath, you take a dropper full of hypericum tincture, and you get into bed in a fairly cool room. Yeah. Yes, it's some salt bath, very hot bath, and I put a little bit of lemon balm oil. <laughs> but then again, at night, but then again, at that night, I couldn't sleep. I thought I'm so tired. I did exercise in the morning. Mm-hmm. I can sleep. I don't know why my mind was so busy. I went to bed around nine or ten o'clock, and I was huh? still awake. <laughs> I still awake. Until so you late. went to bed. Went to bed, but you weren't sleepy when you went to bed. No, I, I wasn't sleepy. I was like wide awake. But I took the bath. So when you were wide awake, did you lay there fretting about your desire to be asleep? Yes. No, you're not allowed to do that. Oh, okay. You're not al- because that's what makes you tired. It's all that fretting. No. You're allowed to either lay there and say, isn't this interesting? You know, I travel a lot back in days when I could travel. And so I would often wind up in places where my body went on alert. It said, we're not sleeping here. Are you kidding? We're not, there's no way we're sleeping here. And I just laid there and I would say, isn't this interesting? I'm in a different place. Let me see what smells there are, what sounds are there, what's going on outside. Mm-hmm. And I just... Ten nine eight seven six five four three two one zero, and I went to zero, and I rested because I can always rest, oh, from okay. sleep or not, yes. can't I? Yes, but I always worry about you need to sleep enough because next thing I need to do. You don't need, need to sleep, but you need to rest. I do that. To rest, right? Leave, let yourself off the hook on the sleep, and find the rest. So, and the sleep will come. So, yeah. So do you think for the memory of those things, just stress? I, no, I think your memory, I actually think your memory is fine. And, and Rob, we have to get off the phone because our guest is here. What I yes. see is that when a young person can't remember anything, they totally brush it off. They don't care. And they don't remember a ton of stuff. Yes. Thank but the older we get, the more concerned we are when we forget things. Again, yes. please. 
Stop harassing yourself. If you need to, carry around the list. Although somebody said to me, ah, I'm so forgetful, I even forget where the list is. And in your grade, I'm going to wish you green blessings and introduce our guest tonight, Marisa Handler. Green blessings, bye-bye. And hello to Marisa, a writer, singer-songwriter, teacher, and coach, author of Loyal to the Sky, which won a Nautilus Gold Award for world-changing books. Her essays, fiction, and poetry have appeared in numerous publications, and her music is available on various platforms. Marisa earned her MFA from the Iowa Writers' Workshop and has received many fellowships in creative writing, including a Fulbright and an Elizabeth George Foundation grant. On the spiritual side, Marissa has been studying insight meditation in retreats and daily life for about 20 years and instructing for about 10. She's a certified facilitator of the work of Byron Katie and has long-term practices in authentic movement, somatic experiencing, and various forms of dance. Marissa is the founder of Live Your Creative Genius, an in-depth coaching program offering a new paradigm for creative work. And she teaches on creativity, writing, and transformation at places like Stanford University Spirit Rock Meditation Center, Esalen, and the California Institute for Integral Studies. She also works as a one-on-one coach. Welcome to the show, Marissa. Thank you. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> um, the reason I love this question is because, I mean, especially you just read my bio, and so I tend to get seen in, in these different categories, but it really feels to me like I like it best when I don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. And I mean, of course, I'm 46 years old, so I have, <laughs> by most definitions, I've grown up already, but but what i what i love about um about the work i do with people and my own creative work is that i get to remind myself and others to stay in process to stay in creative process that we are always really on some level in creative process with the universe with whatever is greater than our intelligence whatever you want to call that and um so we always get to find out and so on some level, I, I just don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up because I haven't yet seen it. <laughs> <laughs> what was that that they used to, they used to do? There would be like a special day um, where you'd get to like hear from people who had different professions. Right. <laughs> to try to figure out my my 15 year old granddaughter I said to her I said the most important choice that you want to make is not really what it is you want to do but do you want to be inside or outside oh that's a good that's a good one yeah that's a good question somebody said oh somebody said to me she said well I always wanted to be a vet because I just thought I would get to be outside with animals but now I am stuck inside all the time oh yeah yeah yeah, I guess it depends. I'm from South Africa, so you can be, you know, where there's a lot of big animals, and so you could be a vet who works with big animals, right? <laughs> big animals, yeah. 
wound up with cats and dogs, so <laughs> most of it's in the U.S. Yeah. So you don't know what you want to be when you grow up because you're still growing up, and that means there's a lot of play and laughter in your life. I, that's the way I like it, exactly. Yeah, a lot of a, a lot of play, yeah. Yeah, because that's where the the impulse for creativity, I think, lies. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is a form of play um, where we enter – we take a step into the unknown and we, you, you could say, we see what comes to play with us. <laughs> and then we take another step, you know, and we see what comes. And, and that's, that's, how, that's how you write a book. That's how you, you know, write a song or paint a painting. It's, it's, it is a form of play. And I think we get very serious about it often as, as adults. And, and not only does that take the joy out, but it also puts a lot of pressure on ourselves. Like I'm going to produce this thing, and um, and and all kinds of stuff can come up and get in the way when we when we get that way. So I think keeping the lightness is is really important. Absolutely, you devote yourself to women and to sharing these things with women. Can you tell me a little more about that? I can, yeah. So, um, so I have a group program called Live Your Creative Genius, as you as you mentioned, and um, it's a nine month program. It's which, of course, is you know I'm drawing on the womb and gestation and all of those lovely metaphors um, for essentially, on some level, what we're doing is rebirthing ourselves, really, by going through a process where um, you know it has. I, I have these different stages in it, like grounding and 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 um opening to the, the the void really and then engaging the shadow working with um obstacles as allies and so they're and they're different in the final stages around visibility and emergence um with our with our work and also ourselves as beings um and i so it's 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 kind of what i didn't get you know i've i'm i have a fair amount of training including an mfa and um, there was virtually nothing on 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 the process side, and um, so many of the people I encounter, it's not necessarily about uh, craft, you know, whether they can write or write well or whatever whatever their 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 medium is. It's often about some deeper issues that have gotten in the way. So they know that they want to do something, they know they want to write, they know they have a book in them, whatever it might be, but they just keep getting stuck. And procrastination or perfectionism or comparing or all kinds of things and so um the program is really a, because it's not a one and done thing i realized this working with you know i've worked with people for years and it, it takes time to to turn the ship around basically um and also that, that was just you know, the it, exact metaphor i was using with an older woman who was trying to get pregnant i said look you spent oh, wow. what 25 years telling your body not to get pregnant it's going to take some time to turn that ship around yeah yeah right that's right these are huge ocean right. liners they're not like little little coracles here <laughs> no that's right i mean and so you you're yeah whether you're talking about the the body or the mind and of course they're 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 profoundly connected you know it's once something is deeply wired, whether that's right, don't get pregnant, or whether that uh, it's don't dangerous to create, right? right. It takes and you have to, to be willing around. to tolerate while you're turning, going in the wrong direction. Totally, totally. 
totally. And the discomfort that inevitably comes up with in with expanding. We it's always uncomfortable when we expand because we're 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 pushing past some old gatekeepers that have been working really hard to keep us safe or small or whatever it is. Yes. What's really thrilling to you right now? Mm. Um You know, I'm I'm always thrilled by by the creative process itself. So I'm I'm working I'm I'm in, I'm kind of holding two books at the moment. I'm completing revisions on a novel and I'm also beginning work on a, on my next book and um but I was working on a scene in in the novel that I've worked on quite a bit. I've been working on this novel for many years and um, and I knew I needed to shift certain things, and then and then a certain character began. Like it kind of just started moving on its own, and a character did something I wasn't expecting her to do. And that's and 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 I and and that was exactly what needed to happen. And then it took the scene in a in a better direction than it was before. And so that I find really thrilling when I'm in creative process in some way, and things happen that I that are unexpected that surprise me and that are better than what I would have come up with on my own. Um, and, and, and I, I also, I'm a dancer as well. I dance and I move and I'm a singer. So it's the moment where something happens that surprises me and is, is better than, than what I could do on my own. And it's, and, and it awake, it, it wakes me up. There's, there's a deep sense of, and it's the same with in, having an insight. It's also the same. I'll say with, with working with people because I work both with one-on-one clients and also with, with this group program when someone has an, an I mean, I, I'm fortunate in my work that I get to see this a lot. You know, when someone has a breakthrough or an insight, it, it's the same. Like that's the, that's it, that I find thrilling. Like there's something in them has shifted and they're able somehow to feel a freedom they didn't feel before or to see the world in a new way. I find that, I do find that thrilling, yeah. Mm, mm, yeah. It is. It so definitely is. Yes, my yeah. one of my favorite teachers was fond of saying, you cannot dance by looking at your feet. Right. You, you must look ahead and trust yes. your feet will follow. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's right. Yeah. Oh, but it feels so risky. Exactly. It does. It does. And so, you know, when I work with people, I really, um, we want to hold those places with a lot of compassion because they're old and they have been working hard to keep us safe. The fear, the resistance, you know, all of these little things, they're, 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 they can feel huge. And, and so we want to really move with compassion and kind of honor the role they've played even as we work to transform these places. I think, for me, that that's kind of the spiritual component. Mm. Mm. It was just emotional. It's like not enough, you know, to want to break through that, as you say. But but once the spiritual component is added to that, and we begin to realize that we're not doing this for selfish reasons, but we're actually doing it for the betterment of everybody. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, Joseph Campbell, you know, follow your bliss, etc. And I do think that when, and then, and then there's this beautiful quote from um, from the activist Howard Thurman, you know, don't, you know, amazing black man speaking to all kinds of issues um, in his time, and then also saying, don't don't ask what the world from you needs from you, ask what makes you come alive, because the world needs more people who are alive, have come alive. So yeah. Yes, that's what we can really share with each other. Yes. Not I mean, the data clearly... or the content, but the aliveness. Exactly. And, and, and you're, you're, a good, you're a good model of that because clearly you followed what you're deeply passionate about in your life. Well, I have both followed it and acquiesced to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. As, as I know you have too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or as, as yeah. someone... Uh, one just said, you can make all the plans you want for your life, but that doesn't mean your life is going to follow them. <laughs> this is right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a there's an Arabic saying, God, la- God laughs at plans, you know. <laughs> God laughs at plans. Ha ah, Okay. Yes. I mean, make a plan. When I'm not saying don't make a plan. Just don't cling to your plan. When life offers you something else, you might just want to say yes. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Who knows where it will take you. So, which came first, the singer or the songwriter? Mm. The singer. You know, I, I, yeah, the singer. I discovered, it's relatively late for, for singers, but I was in college and, and people, friends heard me singing and, and, and said, oh my gosh, you, you you should sing more, you know, and, um, and so I did. And then I started actually, I have a very dear friend who kind of forced me to start performing and getting, going out with, with, with him. We, we performed together. He's a, um, he's a very gifted musician. And, um, and then at some point after we'd been doing that, I, I started, you know, I was right. I've, I've written my whole life. Um, so the idea of writing songs came fairly early and felt quite natural. And, uh, Although it's a different it's a different form, obviously, than than a poem or a story or or an essay or, of course, a book. But it's um, it's powerful. You know, melody carries emotion. So there's things you can do with songs that I I wouldn't do in a poem, for example. Um, generally, when I write poetry, it's not it's not rhyming. But but with songs, it, there are other things that carry it as a medium. Yeah. Yeah. The rhythm. Absolutely. And, uh... Yeah. As you say, the emotion. In fact, people often notice. They say, you don't have any recorded music around you. I say, no, you know, when I'm in the car, I usually listen to people reading. I say, but I mm. will listen, I will listen, you know, to music in the car because the car is so noisy. I say, but in general, mm. I don't listen to music because I don't want other people's secondhand emotions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. There's going to be a lot of that, yeah. How do you know what you're feeling if you're always listening to music? But I think the gift of it, at least in my experience, which which sounds a bit different, but is that sometimes I listen to something and I didn't realize I was feeling something, and the music draws it out, you know. Or or I'm okay, uh huh. Yeah, you know, like I listen to a sad song and I I, and I realize I'm crying and I didn't know that that was there. (sighs) Got it. Yeah. And 
Jen, do you sometimes like find yourself writing a sad song that you didn't know was there? Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. That can happen. Yeah, I, it can be a way um, to, to to express certain things. And and as I go deeper into the creative process, it can really emerge and sometimes again take surprising forms. Um, yeah, yeah. One of the grandmothers used to say to us. Don't try to personalize all of your feelings because mm-hmm. at least some of them are actually the feelings of the earth. Beautiful. Yeah, I, th- I think that's beautiful. And I, I think... thought, oh my gosh, that I gives really me so, so much freedom. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I don't think... I mean, we, uh, they all feel, we often put stories with feelings, but they don't always have a story. Right. They can, they can just be feelings. Right. I can be sad, and it doesn't, there doesn't have to be a story about why I'm sad. Exactly, yeah. 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 Mm. So, please tell me about this special book that you wrote that got this beautiful Nautilus Gold Award. <laughs> yeah, so that, that I wrote a while ago. I, I spent my 20s as an activist um, and, a, and a, you know, working, um, kind of doing grassroots organizing for social justice issues and, and also in the global justice movement and then, and then, and then writing about my experience. So I would, I, I did a fair amount of organizing in this country and then I would go in the U.S. and then go abroad and write about, um, write about social justice issues. So, I, I, you know, as a journalist, so I would be placing articles in, you know, the San Francisco Chronicle or the San Jose Mercury or, I don't know, Orion Magazine, Salon.com, places like that. And so the book, you know, it's interesting because I was writing a different kind of book, which I called, uh, which, which, which I subtitled A Spiritual Analysis of Corporate Globalization, because I was looking at, you know, what, what's, what's going on that, that we've created this this global economy that's destroying our the, the vessel we depend on and so ultimately destroying ourselves. Like, what's going on with that? And I wrote about 400 pages and, and um, showed that to the woman who became who became my the editor at the, at the publishing house that became my, my publishing house. And she said, you know, I, I think you've got some really powerful messages here and that they would be better told through your stories through your experiences like on on the ground and also you know both at at, at demonstrations and in, in movements and also um as a journalist in 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 other countries covering these issues and um and i was actually pretty resistant initially but i ended up trying it out and it really flowed and and so that's where the book came from um was basically it, it's the way i kind of i designed it I wanted people to readers to to get that on some level, whether we call ourselves activists or not, we are all activists just because we're always taking action. And particularly in this country, you know, particularly in the U.S., like we have quite a bit of power. Um, we're often buying things that come from all over the place, and so just to, to just to sort of see our power not 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 from a place of guilt but really from a place of like wow there's actually 
real potential for, for change in, in the power that I do have. So, so that was the book, yeah. And what does it mean to be loyal to the sky? So that line, we, we, we debated the title for a while, and that line actually came from one of my songs. It was a song that I was singing uh, at demonstrations and things, um, and I was talking about loyalty to something much greater than uh, than country or or a certain, or, you know, we could say a certain political view as well, um, loyal to, you know, in the case of the sky, it's something that, we all share, we all see, and there's no borders, there's no boundaries, there's nothing that divides us. So, so that's where that came from. Oh, what a beautiful concept. So we are loyal to that which we all share. Yeah. In the most intimate possible way, that we right. are in others' bodies. Right, yeah, yes that I actually draw into my own body atoms and molecules which have been in the bodies of plants, animals, and other beings, and that we share this atmosphere. Yes, yes. So it deserves our loyalty. Yeah, and and I mean, just on on the most basic level, atomically, you know, there are the, the atoms the, the 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 ways our brains work they wouldn't be able to work without gold for example which comes from dead stars right the, like we are all we all come from dead you know we we are we we literally are always just swapping swapping around pieces of each, everything <laughs> pieces of everything right <laughs> you yeah. are the piece of you you take a piece of me <laughs> right right I, <laughs> so, um, if you haven't specifically told people how to get in touch with you, please do so. And if you have, do it again. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, um, so, the best way to get in touch with me is my website, which is uh, just www.marisahandler. So, it's it's Marisa's with one S. Um, yeah, MarisaHandler.com, and there's a lot of there's a lot on there, so that's probably the best way to to reach me. Yeah. All right, M A R I S A H A N D L E R, Marisa One S Handler dot com, and lots of things to see and share and do and connect, and who knows where it will take you on your creative journey. You have like um, what do I want to ask you here? I'm, I'm wanting to know about who you like to work with. I think that's how I want to phrase it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like typically the people who, who come to me and, and people that I love. I work a lot with women. I work with some men, but mostly women. Um, and creatives who have done some personal development. And, and often I work with people who have a spiritual practice because my spiritual you know, practice feels like the linchpin of my life. I, you know, that's, that's my path. And so, yeah, that, that, that's who I love working with and who tends to come to me as well. Um, creatives with some deep sense of um, 
of connection to something um, something bigger, however they define that, and also who have done some, some work over their lives, you know, whether that's therapy or practice or whatever that might look like, um, have have some good sense of, of self-awareness, yeah. Yes. I was very amused by the person who uh, wrote, um, if, if you have uh, issues that need therapy, please deal with them before you come and study with me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I mean, sometimes some of the work I do with people, you know, it 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 might look like therapy, but the idea with the coaching is that it's it's grounded in action, you know, so it's really taking people forward. But yeah, I yeah, I, often I work with people where they've actually they have done quite a bit of work and there's been some real shift in healing in their lives. And then there are some places which tends to be often our creative, our, our deepest sense of purpose, these wounds can still lurk there. And that's why I think with creativity, people can get can get stuck, even if they have done work. Um, but yes, that's a, that's, a, that's a classic quote. That's pretty great. <laughs> yes, yeah, somebody s- said to me a couple of weeks ago, uh, when I was being rather level, don't hold back. And they actually really much meant it to egg me on, but I also really caught the echo of how many times that phrase had been used to shut me up. Interesting, yeah, yeah. And it was very interesting to see how there was almost like an automatic withdrawal of energy, and I said, stop, that wasn't sarcastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I mean, this is why, like, the group program that I have is, it's just women, because I think women have a a fairly unique set of issues around visibility and emergence and and coming, coming, like, really saying, this is what I am, and this is what I'm doing. And I think that 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 goes deep, you know, it's, it, it, it can be ancestral, which burning witches at the stake, you know, it can, it can be really old that we're carrying this stuff around. So it's lovely that you that you saw that and just that wonderful that you saw that. Yes, and felt it, you know, felt felt my, you know, <laughs> because I was, you know, very expand, I was expanding and being allowed, and I felt the immediate contraction as I heard those words, right. and I thought, well, wait a second, wait a second, that's your take on it. Excuse me, that's not what's being expressed. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's great. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Marissa Handler, you are doing such wonderful work in helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. Mm, I can feel it around us right now, wrapping us in all of its beauty, its different kinds of fibers and threads. And thank you so much for bringing other women into the weaving to add Mm. their mystery and their magic as well. It's been a delight having you here tonight. Is there one last thing you want to leave in the hearts and minds of everyone who's listening to you? I would just say, well, first of all, I want to say it's been a delight. It really has been a pleasure. I didn't know where this would go, and it's it's just been been a joy. But what I would say to the, the, the listeners is that wherever you are right now, that's exactly where you need to be. You, that's your creative material for wherever you go next. And if, if you can hold that rather as 
as, as instead of as a as an obstacle or as a burden or as a whatever it is, just to see this. This is actually my creative material for whatever it means to expand into my next level. I would say that, yeah. Thank you. And Sarah Ellen, thank you so much for helping me to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Hey, everybody, send in your Hypericum shorts. What a wonderful plant it is. Let's celebrate Hypericum. Green blessings and good night.